Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. A count one and two. And a strikeout for round number two. A chopper to second. Picked up by Kinsler. And the AL wins it. A final of 5-3. Perkins gets the save. And the AL wins in Derek Jeter's final All-Star Game appearance. Ah, that was uh, certainly not the highlight of Glenn Perkins' career, but probably as much fun as he's ever had. That was cool. uh, Pitcher uh, coming in to get the last three outs in uh, the All-Star Game. Played right here in uh, Minnesota, 2014. And uh, remember how nervous we were about what the weather was going to be like? It was colder than hell on Monday. Well, Monday, the home run derby was delayed. Yes, yeah, that's right. Half hour, and mm-hmm. it was cold. Then it got a little bit warmer, but it turned out to be a decent night. And Perky uh, pitching to Suzuki in a disappointing twin season. Uh, Glenn Perkins, uh, to the surprise of no one, is not going to pitch anymore, I guess. But uh, he has not. Uh, I, I did a piece with him in August or September when he came back and he still couldn't throw well and he, they weren't using him much that it would probably look like it was all over and I, I had a bunch of stuff from him. Uh, well, apparently Thad Levine, the general manager, was on the caravan and he was asked a Perkins question and uh, Levine, being an honest fellow that he is, said that uh, Glenn's going to retire. And then he also said we'll have a place for him in the organization if he's interested, which he would be. I'm not sure if he was just saying that or if it's uh, indeed uh, something that they might do. I contacted Perk, and I don't think that he wants to go on the air right now. And sure, talk, wants to give it some time. This. Sure. Well, he was, I think that maybe they were preparing to make a little more formal announcement before. I'm, I don't know why. I don't know mm-hmm. what, but uh, I think he was caught by surprise that Levine had said this on the road, so. Anyway, not a not a not a big issue. Uh, Perk is he he said last year that he would have no interest in pitching anywhere else except for the Twins. Of the family yep. situation, and I I think it was in spring training where I talked to him, and he said if they didn't pick up his option, he was not. Then this was when there was still a possibility he'd be ready to pitch and have a good year. Well, that never happened. Obviously, he only pitched in ten games his last two seasons, but. 
they still got their money's worth because uh, 2000, he became a closer, what, about halfway through 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, he pitched 70 ga- in 70 games that year, and they started letting him finish maybe in August. He had 16, 36, 34, and 32 saves. And, of course, in 15, he was perfect until the All-Star game in, 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 in 15 right? uh, with that team. And then he blew one in Kansas City. And he actually, I, I remember blowing that game in Kansas City, and it was kind of like a couple of fairly cheap hits and something happened. But then he went in the, then he went in the tank that year. But so basically in a... Uh, uh, from two thousand, from the middle of two thousand twelve to the middle of two thousand fifteen, fifty two eighty six, and uh, I think he only had a couple three saves after after that. So he's got one hundred and twenty saves in uh, uh, over one hundred and twenty saves in three years there, basically, and uh, uh, you know that's 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 a pretty good run when you're playing where a team that's losing 95 games yes. there aren't that many opportunities well and that's just it you know, too you know was, because he did have such a good run with, with yeah. at a time when this organization was about as bad as it's been mm-hmm. uh for that run that they had after you know that during the 2011 2012 and so on we all yes. know the story so that's what makes mm-hmm. his run that much more impressive yeah he was a closer when they lost uh, i'm doing this off the top of my head but he was a closer when they lost 96 Lost ninety six, they could ninety nine. They lost in eleven. He wasn't the closer, but the next two years, I think they lost ninety six in each of those years, and then they lost ninety three. Was it? And then they, uh, and then they, of course, uh, had a winning season in two thousand fifteen. But he was he was at his zenith there for two years when they were losing ninety five games a year. So it uh, he had a, a very good run. Former Gopher giving a lot of money to the Gophers. You go over and, you know, he gets he's got ripped some, and he can be a little grumpy at times when he's uh, about certain things. But you go over and ask John Anderson what he thinks of Glenn Perkins and the support they've given the Gopher uh, basketball uh, baseball program mm-hmm. over there. He's uh, he's done a lot for the uh, university, and he's you know if you look around, I mean, he's the kind of pitcher that this team is trying to get right now. You know, they made a lot of additions to the bullpen. You know, when he was. Think about if he had that run, you know, during when all these closers are making this these extremely rich contracts right now. Back then, that's the kind of guy that these teams are looking for right now. And he came to them what in before fourteen and said, "Let's do he something here. To sign something." Because he wanted so to stay he here. He did, and it's uh, you know it, he got the shoulder surgery and it was much worse than people thought it was, and he never got to really pitch again in the last two years, and. uh I think what was the buyout five hundred thousand something like that. But yeah, and you could tell too when they were kind of giving him his little send off when they would bring him in at the Mm -hmm. end of last year. He just you knew and he knew too that he just it just wasn't going to happen anymore. No, which is too bad because man, when he was on the top of his game, he was good. Lights out, man. Well, he's uh, got a. I haven't been out there yet, but he's got a nice little ranch out there in Lakeville now. With uh, he's got fishing, he's got hunting, he's got a hockey rink for the girls. He's uh, he's. He's living the, the the dad life out there. Is he going to go far, Vaughn, and be on the tractor every day, too, when he's out at the farm, too? He can do that. You know, he is kind of a handyman. Is he going to that, 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 do stuff? Okay. He was building, he was helping build his rink. And uh, I texted him and I said, I suppose you got a rink to shovel. You can't come in. <laughs> he said, 
I got a lot more in the rink to shovel after yesterday, so uh, I think he's I wonder if it'll be like Favre, too, where we'll see him in like a year or so, and he'll have forearms like Popeye. Like, like Favre did. Remember when Favre popped up at some yeah. random event, and you looked at his arms, you were like, jeez. Three straight All-Star teams. You got to say that was a good career. Oh, we have oh yes. Three yeah. straight All-Star teams. Uh, and, and none of them really by uh, – because the year he went in 14, there were two of them. Suzuki went, so it wasn't yep. like you got to be our only twin. And I think in thirteen, didn't he go, Joe? I think he went. I don't, I don't think he ever went as a one. I don't think he ever went as a single. Because thirteen was Joe's last year as a catcher, right? Yeah, I think he went in thirteen with Joe. Fourteen with Suzuki, and then fifteen and somebody else went with him too, right? I think I can't that's right. Who was Dozier? Well, no, Dozier's All Star year was sixteen, right? His. I can't remember. I can't I th- remember. I, th- I never think. I don't think he ever went because there was nobody else. No, he went because he was one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. That's exactly why he went. So you, you know, you mentioned too that Levine had suggested that there's a role for him in the front office. I, I kind of see him. Statistical guy. Yeah, I see him doing something like that. He'd love to do it, but I, I didn't know what his relationship with with, with the new with regime the new regime. Was, so we'll find out. Because he's not going to go the broadcasting route. Do you think? You no, know him pretty well. I don't think so. I don't. I don't know. I, you know, if the twins, they already have about five of these guys. That's now. true. They're put Morneau on the air. That's so. true. And it was just him and Joe in 2013. Okay. How about 15? Yeah. Who went? Uh, who did he go with? Who went with somebody in 15. Who, who it was probably panicked? Dozier, wasn't it? Because that was Cincinnati, right? Yeah. 2015. Yeah, because yeah, that was because Dozier was like the final vote in. Right. Oh yeah, that's and, when we did the vote, end, Dozier, and, and then he ended up hitting a home run late in that game when we were all like, "Yeah, he's that's not an all star." Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, we uh, shall return. This is the ride with racing. Four in the shot clock. Wiggins scoops it in anyway. Yikes! Three on two. Wallace all the way to the hole, knocked away from behind by Wiggins. Wiggins. Feeling it for sure. Pound still without a field goal. Wiggins. Go out of conscience. All right. There's, uh, there's been some import, uh, important events in local sports that are hard to fathom. And the, the loss at Philadelphia is number one, 38-7. Yes. Number two is this. The Timberwolves defeat the Clippers last night, 126-118. Now the Clippers were missing some people, and the uh, Timberwolves were missing some people. That improved the Timberwolves to 31-18. and 7-11 and 11 against the East and 24-7 and 7 <laughs> against the West. Wow. And I believe 3-0 and 0 against the Clippers this year. That is the best in-conference record in the NBA this season. That's the best record for any team playing in its own conference this season. Holy cow! I didn't Toronto's realize it was that in, good. Toronto's right. nineteen and six in the East. Uh, it is uh, rather uh, phenomenal. And uh, Andrew Wiggins goes and gets 40, 16 out of twenty-eight shooting, and uh, that is the most since he got forty-one at Staples Center against the Lakers last April ninth. He has now set season highs in back-to-back games after averaging only fifteen points per game over his first five. So all along. I have been suggesting that Wiggins has had to be moved to this secondary role because mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is now the man. And I'm not arguing with Jimmy Butler being the man, but 
Wiggins has been the man for the last two games, yeah. and he has been a pretty good player. He got 40 and 30, what was it, 32 or 30? I think he had 32 against 32 Toronto. 32 the other day yeah. against Toronto. So uh, this could be Butler missing these couple of games and maybe a few more. Who knows? He's got a sore knee. Could be the thing this kid needs to get rolling here, you know, to get, to well, get that... going. He's not going to. He's not going to get as many shots when Butler comes back, but it 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 could give him the kind of the little boost emotionally that he, I think he needed. I think when Butler comes back and is able to play again, which you know it could be the next game, it could be a couple of games from now, who knows? It, I I think Andrew Wiggins is at his best when he is active. Yes, when he's cut, when, you know, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. When he cuts and moves and and gets himself into positions to be effective, that's that's when he's good. He he, get, he where he gets into trouble is when, you know, you look and you see, Wig or uh, you see Butler or you see Teague or Tyus or somebody else with the ball in their hands and they're trying to make something happen and he's just kind of standing in one one spot and it's usually on that left that left wing spot mm-hmm. on the floor and he just kind of stands there and he doesn't. Do anything, but and he's then he, playing Butler's position now, right? Right. right. He's I mean, playing Butler's started, position, and and because Jimmy's not playing, Wiggins is going to have the ball in his hands a lot more, mm-hmm. so he gets more opportunities. So to what create do you do and, when you got them both? I think the, the, <laughs> that that's going to be. I mean, it's it's he's going to have to adjust again because when Jimmy Butler comes back, you know, the ball's going to be in his hands a few times, and Wiggins is going to have to learn how to play, play off the off ball here. and be and be active and cut. And I mean, you you hear. Thibodeau say it after every game. It's like you know when they when they lose and when they have a bad night offensively. When Wiggins struggles, he says they're not moving enough. They're not mm-hmm. cutting. They're not you know they're not being active offensively. I want to ask a really stupid question because I follow the NBA and I I do love basketball, but there are parts of it I don't understand. Right now, I don't understand, and I'm not trying to go Joe Sushri on it. But why isn't it the case that he can't play like that if Jimmy Butler's on the court? I don't I don't get that part of it because Jimmy is. Jimmy is ball dominant. You notice if you if, if you see him out there, he has the ball in his hands a lot, and mm-hmm. Jeff Teague has the ball in his hands a lot, and it's it's more of an issue with Wiggins because and he had the same problem at Kansas. This was the knock on him at mm-hmm. Kansas. This is what people were worried about him is when he was at Kansas, he would just kind of kind of drift off offensively a little bit, and Bill Self had to sort of motivate you know, him. Had to had to kind of get on him a little bit about just you know just being being more engaged offensively when the ball's not in his hands. When those other guys are not around, though, they right. engage him by giving him the ball. Sure. <laughs> right. He sure. has the ball more. When, yeah. when Jimmy's not out there, yeah. Wiggins is going to have more touches and he's going to get more shots. And Because I know he has his critics. Uh, uh, Wiggins I'm talking about. He has lots of critics. And mm-hmm. I'm certainly not defending him in any way. He, there were points this year where he wasn't playing that well. But he's also a kid you just simply can't give up on. Well, uh, right. it was rather humorous after the game yesterday when uh, they were talking about how many. Is it tonight we find out the All Star reserves, right? Yes, at about uh, seven and, o'clock. And I how think, many uh, All Star reserves that they were going to have? Whether Towns and Butler were both going to make it? And Tibbs said, "I'd like to put in a word for Wiggs, Wiggy too." <laughs> I think maybe just to make Wiggy thinks he loves it, right? Make okay. him think, sure. Make Wiggy he's one of my guys. That he loves him. Yeah, yeah. So, but he was. Uh, it was. Uh, I think Thibodeau realizes that Wiggins has been put in a tough situation, mm-hmm. right? And he's had you, he's had to adjust. It's yeah. been he has probably had the toughest 
adjustment to all these new players and the, the big, you know, mm-hmm. all the big people, over overhaul of the people roster. People think I'm crazy, but if there's 15 seconds to go and you got to shoot a basket, you got to make a basket to win. And all they're doing right now is throwing the ball to Butler and letting him try to do something. I, you know, you can get mad at Wiggins, but Butler in those situations isn't looking for anybody else. He's going to take a shot, right? Mm-hmm. He's getting his. He's going to get. Well, he just feels like that's and, why and he that's, gave the ball. And that's largely because in Chicago he was so good at delivering in yes. those moments for he's so long. He's done it a couple of times this year. He yeah. hasn't, but he's missed as many as he's made. But I just assume to have Wiggins have the ball. Yeah. I mean, if if they're going to double team Butler and they're going to make him take a tough shot, give it up. Who's the better shooter? Butler probably. Butler's probably. Yeah. Wiggins shooter, is not yeah. having a real good shooting year, but now he's shooting it. He still last night missed three more free throws. He's yeah, the free throw thing terrible. is still kind of an issue. He's kind of dropped off with that. But again, like with him, he is almost unguardable if he gets in into the paint. If whether the ball's in his hands or whether he's cutting. He is almost unguardable. He is because very he's explosive. So, because yeah. he's very explosive. He's so athletic. And that spin move that he does when he gets into the lane, it's it's almost unguardable. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't stop it. But there are just times where he he will just drift and he'll settle along the perimeter and he'll just stand there and he'll be open and they'll he'll get a he'll get a look and he'll just throw up a three and it's like, oh, cut cut to the basket. The get Clippers aren't a playoff good. team, right? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, think so. Well, they're. I mean, the, not with all these guys hurt for sure. Yeah, one was the, with them last night. By the way, getting all these technical fouls is when the game still. Do we need to call over. the police? Do we need a police presence? <laughs> no, police they were presence. not. Doc got thrown out. Uh, Mike Woodson, his uh, number one assistant, got thrown out. Sammy Cassell had a T. Sammy's on the Sammy's staff. on the yeah. staff. Oh, Sammy's yeah. looking intellectual too. He's got the glasses. Oh, Sam, Sam ended up being the coach, the, yes. the head coach for like the last ten seconds because Doc got chance. tossed and Mike Woodson what are you got doing, tossed. Doc, I mean the odds are against you, but you got Lou Williams. So why are you getting thrown out? Well, you know Doc is he's has a history of being kind of surly when it comes to officiating. He's always yes. been a guy that's yeah, I know, always mad about officiating. But he gets right there, it's it's what it's. Three or four, and they're going to the line, or four, and they're going to the line. Yeah, and, and he, there's there's and about 15 up, seconds and then left. Then they and... get another. And Wiggins liked that team because they gave him the free throw to shoot to get the 40. They had him go shoot the free <laughs> throw to get the 40. But uh, yeah, they're uh, they got who? They got Portland left and uh, Golden State. Golden State. Well, yeah, okay. Well, they had to win this one. This is the one yeah. if you're on that road trip. Otherwise, and she p- turns into a bad Portland road trip. is Portland is a place that regardless of where the teams are at has always been a place that has not been kind to the Wolves. Uh, you're right. They yeah. always, always a, had trouble. They up always there. have a hard time uh, guarding uh, Lillard and McCollum when they're playing together, too. So. Yep. All right. Well, anyway, nice uh, win last night. And by the way, that phony guard we got instead of Ricky, Ricky got 30 last night, too, Jeff Teague. We could have yeah, had Ricky. <laughs> Ricky's averaging about three in the last month, too, isn't he? Ricky's been. Well, his Ricky assist can't. numbers are going down, and he's, his, his shooting numbers are about the same. It's yeah. still bad. So, All righty. We uh, shall return and see what John Height has in mind. And then Sarah McClellan, who covers the uh, Wild for the Star Tribune. Well, th- that team's hot. Don't look now. They're hot. I just saw this from ESPN Stats and Info, or Info and Stats, whatever it is. Tom Brady will be the favorite for the 50th straight start on in the Super Bowl in two weeks. 
Wow. 50 Jeez. straight games. The record is Kurt Warner, 55 straight games with the uh, St. Louis Rams. Hmm. That's an all-timer, but 50 straight games that's, are the favorite. That's, uh, that's a little frightening, isn't it? <laughs> So anyway, here's John. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Uh, I thought this... I, I, I thought I'd already introduced you, John. Uh, but, sorry, but I didn't. This is we've been we've been uh, we've been abusing you today, John. <laughs> Joe abused you at the three three thirty, and now this. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit accounttemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half company. Vikings coach Mike Zimmer held his season-ending press conference this morning. A lot of issues were addressed, including the quarterback situation. Of course, all three quarterbacks are free agents. Teddy Bridgewater had the catastrophic knee injury, and Zimmer was asked how Bridgewater is doing and uh, what they see in him. Obviously, we would have liked to see him more on the field, but you know, quite honestly, for him to get on the field is an unbelievable achievement. Uh, you know, when this injury happened, I mean, I can kind of go through it. There was. You know, we researched this injury. There was 24 of these similar types of injuries through all sports. Half of them never came back. <clears throat> and I think the earliest one anybody ever came back was 24 months. Zimmer wouldn't say anything about who might play quarterback next season, saying they'll be doing evaluations in the upcoming weeks. And speaking of injuries, he also said center Pat Elfline uh, will have off-season surgery. He was hurt in the Eagles game on Sunday. Well, they wouldn't tell us for what, though, because you, you can't let that information out. Uh, Might give your uh, opponent nine, an advantage. Nine months before your first game. <laughs> you, know. you should have just said lower body. Yeah, mm-hmm. lower yep. body. <laughs> uh, TV numbers from the Twin Cities in for the game on Sunday. Oh, man. More than one million Twin Cities households viewed the game, wow. but the numbers, of course, as you might expect, plummeted as the <laughs> game moved on. At kickoff, get this. 84% of those watching TV in the Twin Cities wow. were tuned into Channel 9. Wow. Uh, by 6.15, the matchup registered a 59.7 rating, uh, but viewership began to fade even more as the Eagles jumped out to a 24-7 lead by the end of the first half. Uh, overall, the three-hour-plus game averaged a 54.4 rating locally, which is quite good, of course, and a 76% share of households watching TV during that period. Nationally, the game averaged a 24.7 rating and a 56 Share. It probably slowly, very, very slowly started to decline the moment Keenum threw that pick six because mm-hmm. then you kind of figured, eh, they might be in trouble. Nick <laughs> bleeping Foles. You <laughs> lost to Nick. You were humiliated by Nick Foles. Gary Collins reincarnated. There is a graph uh, accompanying one of the stories about the ratings, and it's basically a line that goes up a little bit, then we have no sense of humor about Viking defeats. <laughs> Minnesota, Only a few of us do. Minnesota Gophers in action this evening. Northwestern in for a game at Williams Arena. That is an 8 o'clock start tonight. Uh, Glenn Perkins retiring after 12 seasons with the Twins. Perkins amassing 120 career saves for Minnesota. Posted a 3.88 ERA. His best years came between 2012 and 2015. During that period, he made three All-Star teams and was one of the most dominant closers in the American League. Earned the save in the 2014 All-Star game here at Target Field. His career derailed by a torn labrum to his pitching shoulder in 2016. He had surgery in June of that year. After missing all, uh, almost all of 2016 and most of 2017, he was able to come back August of last year, making eight appearances for the Twins. He'll retire, with this is it, with the third most saves in franchise history behind Joe Nathan and Rick Aguilera. All righty, sir. Thanks, John. You bet.
Sarah McClellan covers the wild for the Star Tribune. So a lot of people stayed away uh, last night, uh, kept away by the snowstorm, I guess. It must have made you feel like you were covering a Coyotes game for the first time since you got up here, huh? It was different. It was such a different (laughs) vibe than what we're used to seeing here with, you know, not a lot of people at warm-up. And then even, you know, kind of when the anthems were going and puck drop, you're just used to seeing this big, full, boisterous building. And, And it was definitely a different vibe last night. And obviously the fans weren't the only ones that, you know, we're having trouble getting to the arena with the players, you know, struggling <laughs> some to make it in before warm up. It, it was it was a unique experience. Something that yeah, I didn't didn't uh, experience in Arizona where you don't have to shovel sunshine. Yeah, but uh, then in Arizona, you only had about six thousand people trying to get to the rink, so that was a that was a different situation too. Uh, Sarah, uh, how have you found Boudreaux? He can be uh, he had a good quote about uh, trying to get the fellas to stay in a hotel, but they all thought they could uh, beat the snowstorm and get there on time. Uh, he's uh, he can give you the good quote, can he? Yeah, no, he's been he's been great to, to work alongside so far. I, I think. What I've noticed about Bruce is, is he's very honest, and he's very honest in his assessments of what he's seeing and, um, you know, honest on how he's, you know, grading the team and, and what he thinks uh, this team needs to improve on, what it's doing well at. And, um, you know, I, I think that's very helpful just to understand where this team's at, where it has to go, and just to kind of get an accurate barometer on the team. He, he definitely has his pulse on it, and, um, you know, that's obviously for you know a coach to know his players to know what needs to be done to know what needs to improve and he certainly kind of has that pulse figured out so far and um, that's important with half a season to go and a lot of games to play to try to grab as many points as possible to stay in this really tight western conference playoff race yeah uh everybody's been so uh, uh you know into the vikings for the last month or so that uh they've kind of lost sight of the fact that don't look now. This hockey team has been playing pretty dang good and is six points out of first place in the division. If my uh, if my math is correct, so uh, I mean they're they've been moving up. It's just when you see a team like Colorado win ten in a row, it's kind of weird to figure out what's going on. But they've been they've been playing good. Yeah, that's the thing. If you take out all these other winning streaks from other teams. I mean, they're probably in a comfortable position, but that just speaks to the parity, especially in the Central Division, that everyone around them is winning. And, and maybe that's, you know, partly fueled the wild, too, to have to stay, you know, up to pace with everybody else. If, you know, if everybody else was kind of shrugging off and, you know, you had this opportunity, maybe that desperation wouldn't be there. But it really looks like that vibe, uh, that urgency is already seeped into that room. And um, you have to win. You have to get at least a point every night to just stay in the hunt because everyone else around you is making it so there's a very minimal margin of error. It's a very unique vibe, I think, for this season because usually we do see some separation or we don't see this tight of a race until March. Uh, But the fact that it's happening before the All-Star break It'll make for a really exciting, entertaining finish. And, you know, it really is kind of up in the air who's going to grab onto those spots. Yeah, you look at the standings, and the Chicago Blackhawks are solidly in last place. We haven't seen that for a while. Yeah, it really is a (laughs) unique season, especially, like you said, the Avalanche, to already surpass what they accomplished last season and be in the thick of this race. 
when it looked like they were, you know, they really were a footnote on, you know, on the standings all of last season, a lot of change this season, which I, I guess is good for the game. It really kind of keeps it fresh and new teams involved and it'll make for exciting hockey. That's for sure. Uh, they had to uh, be uh, extremely encouraged to see Parisi get goals in back-to-back games. Uh, he's obviously moving again, huh? Yeah, I think that's really encouraging for the team and for, for Zach to finally have a tangible reward for his efforts because, you know, he's been moving his legs. He's been trying really hard. Um, he's been around the net a lot, so it, all, it you know got to the point where it looked like it was just a matter of time before he'd bury a goal, and, and now maybe he gets on a roll. I mean, plays like that can kind of be contagious. You get your confidence up. Um, you know, you start to, to, to be around the puck even more than you were, and um, you know, I know he missed, you know, almost the entire first half of the season, but he still expects himself to, to be involved and be a catalyst and be someone that helps this team get into the playoffs and make some noise. And um, for him to have those expectations and to start to, you know, contribute and, and look like he can be that player, that's a really encouraging sign, I think, for the team to have him back in the mix involved like he is. Uh, last year, uh, Sarah Kemper played uh, so poorly so often that they really uh, would only play Dubnik, but uh, Stalock has been a uh, quite a uh, presence for this team to give uh, Boudreau an alternative. He doesn't have to wear Dubnik. He can maybe later in the year play Dubnik every night, but he doesn't have to right now. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's been a big boost for this team, knowing that the schedule is so busy and to try to ease Devin's workload when they can, that they have an alternative to go to uh, who can be steady and who can make the saves and give this team confidence. You know, I, I don't think all the results have necessarily matched up to the way that Alex has played with the cotton net. Um, you know, he's maybe had a few, you know, bad bounces here or there, some bad puck luck as far as for the team in front of him, but. I think he's been everything you could ask for a backup, and that's someone, you know, when you need that occasional spot start to come in and just be a rock back there. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be highlight real material, but just someone to do the job that you know that you can count on them when you need to go to them. And I think Alex has been that in spades for the Wild so far this season. Hey, uh, what's the word on Niederreiter? He's still dealing with, that lower body injury, last we heard, he hadn't even been cleared yet to get on the ice. Um, this is a different issue than the left ankle issue that he had before um, that had sidelined him. So, you know, it's just kind of been a rough year for him to have the ankle sprain at the start, then this other ankle issue, and now his latest setback. It kind of just seems like it snowballs, and, you know, it's tough to get healthy, and it's tough to play healthy. And so I think they're taking their time within this time letting him fully recuperate and you know they expect him back and when he does um it just adds another dimension to that forward group this has uh been uh, uh completely different for him he uh absolutely uh had uh you know played all the time i think he'd missed two games in four years or something two 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 games in four or five years and uh now he's uh, getting banged up it's uh he had been very durable which is uh not having him is something you don't think about when you enter a season yeah for sure i think that's probably been frustrating for a number of guys that have been sidelined you know for spurts this season whether it be charlie coyle or mikhail granlin and uh, these are players that, you know, just last year were important cogs in this lineup and used to contributing on a, you know, a nightly basis. And, um, you know, it's tough when you don't feel like you're at full strength to, to try to play to your capabilities. And so, um, obviously the injury bug has, is, you know, hung over the entire season, but. 
the fact they've been able to remain competitive, stay in this race, you know, speaks to the depth, speaks to the contributions they receive from the players who have remained in the lineup. And, um, you know, that type of perseverance is probably what's going to help them stay in the race the rest of the way. Hey, uh, you had a piece on the pride of Elk River, uh, Nate Prosser, who's uh, he came back here sort of as, uh, okay, maybe he'll get to play a couple of games, and he's been in the lineup every uh, every game. Yeah, he's really capitalized on this more opportunity. It's unlike what he's been in his previous stints with the team where he kind of was on the bubble and he was in and out, and now he's anchoring that third pairing. And, you know, it's, a, it's his partner that's rotating in and out of the lineup and, you know, I think that speaks to probably the familiarity he had coming back into this situation. I think so often we just expect these athletes to be wired to adapt to their surroundings. And, um, you know, it can be such a transient career that, you know, if you go to a new team, you just fit in right away. But there's a lot to be said about comfort level and, you know, knowing the situation you're getting yourself into. And I think Nate Prosser's probably been the poster boy for that and coming back here and just doing his job, you know, like I said, nothing flashy, just, um, you know, block shots, is tough in front of the net, and, and then every now and then he gets rewarded with a goal like he did the other night. How do you like working in a town where hockey matters? This has been really enjoyable, you know, especially with how the season has gone and, and every game is so important and, it's, you know, the fan base is so passionate about every result. Uh, it's been really fulfilling to kind of chronicle this type of season because you know it's, it's you know it's going to be interesting right up to the end. It's, it matters to a lot of people. It matters, um, you know, to the community, and, and that's been really enjoyable. It's 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 been a it's been a busy season so far. You know, a lot to to cover, but I'm excited to see how the rest of it plays out. All right, Sarah. Uh, one last game in Pittsburgh, and then a little All Star break. So uh, thanks for your time. Thanks. Take care. All right. Uh, Sarah McClellan, uh, she uh, covers the wild for the Star Tribune, uh, came in here from uh, Phoenix, I believe. She told me that uh, she she left Phoenix about the end of October and had not yet covered a victory. <laughs> Remember the fine Coyote start me. that they had? <laughs> I don't think uh, she might have stayed until the first week of November. Now, they'd won a couple, but she hadn't been a But she wasn't a Yeah, them, right. So, uh, wow. She hadn't covered a win until she got here. So we look like a Stanley Cup dynasty by comparison to the uh, Coyotes. So. All right. We uh, shall return on this day in history. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick? I think I've, I've had a pre pretty dang good year. Um, <laughs> winning a World Series, making a trip to the White House, winning this award, and, of course, getting married. Um, probably the most important thing, but um, I, I'm so grateful for this. Thank you to the, the Writers Association. I am humbled because of the award's rich history and the fact that since 1931, when it was first established, not one player has emerged as bigger than the game itself. Uh, that was uh, those were Chris Bryant and Mike Trout last year accepting their MVP trophies at the New York Baseball Writers Association dinner, which will be hosted for the 92nd time. On Sunday night. Okay. This dinner's been going on. The baseball writers uh, have been holding it in New York. And where they they get all, they, these awards are presented, 
But then they're presented again at the New York Baseball Writers Dinner. Okay. And, they, and they get both the MVPs, both the Cy Youngs, both the managers of the year, and both the rookies of the year. Generally speaking, they all show up. Uh, well, on this day in history, here is a president who got it. FDR, 1937. <laughs> president Roosevelt excused himself from attending the annual dinner of the Baseball Writers Association in New York. But in a letter addressed to James Dawson of the New York Times, FDR praised the skill and sportsmanship of the sports writers who brought alive the excitement and heartbreak of competition among American people. At a time when the United States was still slowly inching its way out of the Great Depression, sports and sports writing remained venues of escapism that transcended economic woes. Wow. FDR. He got it. He did get it. But this uh, dinner is uh, quite the deal. It's basically black tie. You no longer have to uh, show up uh, uh, in in black tie, but they. Am I drawing a complete blank? I've never remember you attending this. No, this is a, for the New York chapter. And it's, oh, it's not, okay. I mean, we have the Diamond Awards and stuff. But New York has had this dinner for 92 years. I got it. Okay. And uh, okay. they also present some of their own awards in addition to the uh, the ones that... Uh, got it. That, that okay. They have their own awards, but they also get... Ever- now, they're going to have Gian- Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge are going to pair together for the first time in New York. Accepting their awards night. as teammates. Teammate, yeah. Yeah, judge is the rookie of the year, and Stanton is. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. It'll be held 7 p.m. A Baseball Writers Association of Americans at the Sheraton New York Times Square, and it's uh, it would be a fun dinner to go to sometime just to uh, because it's it's while the rest of us are out here schlepping, New York remains the capital of baseball. Yes, it is. Yes, the capital it does. Of baseball and uh, and uh, when the when New York is a good, uh, baseball's in good shape. Plus an event like that, too, where, I mean, because nobody can spin a yarn like like baseball guys, especially the yes. old-time baseball guys. And so that got, would be fun. And so they, when, got, they got their guy Francona there this year. So oh, my happy. God. Yeah. So when Giancarlo goes up and makes his speech, is he going to thank the Marlins organization <laughs> yes, for, right. for <laughs> getting me the hell out of here? Well. Oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> can you imagine the way that team's going to draw on the road oh, this year? Oh, man. Unbelievable. Hey, well, we we will be back. This is the ride with Racing.